You're listening to the Sixers Beat with your host, Derek Bodner, right here on LibertyBallers.com and LibertyBroadcast.co. All right, welcome everybody. This is Derek. We have not done one of these in a little while, a couple of weeks now, and I have not talked to Max. I feel like it's the first time I have talked to Max in, gosh, it's got to be two months or so. So before we even get to basketball, because let's be honest, there's nothing really to talk about with basketball. Uh, Hell of a start to a podcast. Please listen to the entire thing. But Max, following you on Twitter and Instagram, you have been fucking everywhere. Where the hell have you been? Just... Let us live vicariously through you for a couple of minutes while we sit here with no basketball. This this is what the people are here for. They've been <laughs> waiting for two months for this this trip recap <laughs> podcast. Um, so I was in Europe for like three weeks, uh, Spain, France, and Italy. That was right after I graduated uh, from my grad program. Uh, kind of a trip I've been planning for a long time. Um, finally had some time where I... Didn't have to work and didn't have to be in school, so saved up money to do that. And then um, got back in early July and basically got right on the road to drive out to Seattle. And we decided to take kind of an indirect route, so we went down south through Tennessee, through Oklahoma and Texas, uh, down to a lot of the national parks, um, did the Grand Canyon, Zion and Bryce, uh Grand Teton and Yellowstone, and then like up through Montana and over to Seattle. So that was like two and a half weeks of just driving across the country. Yeah, now you I'm were here at in Seattle. It was funny. Every time I went on Instagram, I'm not a huge Instagram user, but every time I went on, you're in literally a different country. And then you <laughs> came back and you were at the Grand Canyon about a week after I was. <laughs> uh, so we we just missed each other. Was that the South Rim as well? I did the North Rim actually. Oh, okay. How was that? It was really cool. I, so I've been to the South Rim before, and it's like in the summer, it's super crowded is the, is the thing. And a lot of the national parks we went to were, but the North Rim's a little less popular just because it's harder. harder to, you to can't get, get to, to it from yeah. Phoenix. And yeah, um, I, it was cool, though. It was a little less crowded. Um, it's really, it looks really different, actually. If you've ever been to the Grand Canyon, like anyone listening, the South Rim is like very rocky and red, and the North Rim is like basically a forest right up to the rim. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. No, it was I was I'm sitting here, I'm watching you, and I'm watching Kyle, and he's in what Mexico and whatnot. And I'm sitting here <laughs> No, and I was in the Caribbean, thank oh, you very right. much. <laughs> and I was in Miami and I was in DC. I've been I've been on a tour of my own, but I'm chopped liver over here compared to Mr. Country Crosser, Max Rappaport. Well, I think I think Max just posts about it more. Actually, I, I love the Caribbean too. I need to get back down there. The Virgin Islands are incredible. I was, I was more shameless exactly about where my, I was my traveling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, I'm watching you guys, and all I'm sitting here doing is I get to go to Ve- or, uh, summer league in Vegas, which don't get me wrong, I enjoyed, and I got to do Grand Canyon, and I went to some do some hiking and some drone flying and whatnot. But, man, it was 116 degrees and brutal, and after about three days, I just wanted to get the fuck back east, which really tells you something when you want to get back to the Philadelphia area. I was very jealous. All all month I've been jealous of watching you guys travel, so welcome back, but fuck you. <laughs> wow, what a kind open to the <laughs> podcast. And now Sixers talk. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, about the Sixers. Part of the reason we opened up talking about uh, – 
talking about traveling is because there's really nothing interesting to talk about with the Sixers. I guess what we have on the agenda, we have the new uniforms, and they released the, not the home and away, the blue and the white uniforms. Embiid not being cleared for five-on-five, although he says there's nothing to worry about with that. Embiid traveling to the, uh, you know, the NBA games that they're having in Africa. The preseason schedule being released. And what in the hell the Sixers should do with Julia Loka? So I guess let's start off with probably, um, <laughs> crazy, crazy enough, the one that probably garnered the most attention this week, the, the new uniforms. What's uh, any strong takes or any just, I guess, any reaction at all to, you know, really mild change to the uniform? I feel like I was in the minority in approving of or liking the the change because a lot of people seem to prefer the, I guess what they view as the more classic feel with the just the all white or I guess in the case of the white uniforms the all blue lettering. I like the the red with it. I wish the uniforms had more red in them. So two thumbs up for me. But uh, the impression that I got from both from like you guys and the general fan base was that they would have just rather than be left alone and just add a Nike swoosh on top of it. I guess. Or maybe I'm misreading this. I don't know. You guys tell me. Well, I, I guess for me, like, I would have preferred probably an outline on the number. This is, like, so stupid. I feel like... <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I would have it's probably August preferred... It's NBA an, podcast, Max. Yeah. Of course it's stupid. Five minutes on traveling, and now we're going to spend, like, 15 minutes talking <laughs> about jersey outlines. Um, I would have preferred probably an Like, when the jerseys first came out two years ago, three years ago, whatever it was... I, I did think the one thing missing was they kept the, like, plain block lettering um, that was on the old jerseys, where it was just plain white or plain, I guess in the case of the blue jersey, it was blue, um, or the white jersey, it was plain blue. And I still think it's kind of missing something, and I thought the the 67 throwback they wore last year with the white outline on, a, on red lettering, I thought that looked awesome, and... I would have really liked to see that, especially if they're dropping the 67 throwback because that was like a, you know, 50th anniversary thing. If they're dropping that, I would have loved to see them change the the letters on the blue jersey to red and put a white outline around it, similar to that jersey. The drop shadow, I, I usually really like drop shadows. I just think this one's a little misplaced. There's just like so much going on on the, on the uniform that I feel like it's just kind of distracting. Like... Like, I really like the Lakers' drop shadow. I really like the Miami Heat when they had a drop shadow. I, so I, I like the look of it. And I love the, the like, Sixers gradient uh, Sean Bradley jerseys with the with the drop shadow on it. I just kind of feel like these already have enough elements where you don't need that. It's almost like just, like, throwing on something just to throw it on. Whereas I think there were actual things they could have done to the jersey to make it better, which would be just, like, adding an outline and maybe changing the, the color of the numbers. Yeah, I think I think that's a pretty good way to put it. I think it's it's slightly distracting, uh, and I don't think it really adds all that much. You know, I kind of view a drop shadow. That's kind of what I throw in there when I'm designing a logo and I have no idea what I'm doing, and I'm sitting there in Photoshop, and I'm like, ah, let's, let's throw a, a drop shadow on it. Like it just feels like <laughs> it feels like it's it's extra nonsense. Um, you know, like they got it, they got their hands on a Photoshop plug and they didn't know what to do with it. It's not a big deal. It doesn't matter. It's it's you know it's like I said on Twitter. It's certainly not butchered or anything like that. Uh, it's still a really good, really good jersey. I just think that that additional touch is a little unnecessary. Um, the other two changes, of course, the uh, uh, the StubHub patch and the Nike logo. 
it gave the CEO of the Sixers another chance to really puff his chest out about how he got a, a company to give him money. So good job for you guys. Um, I don't personally care about the StubHub logo. It doesn't mean anything to me. But uh, it is it is the way of the future, and it's something we should we should all get used to, and also something we've known about for a while now. Yeah, and I mentioned this when I wrote about the the jersey BS. It's like I'm used to English Premier League and European soccer style ads where it's the entire front of the jersey basically, and it's the team logo or the team patch is much smaller in comparison. So a little logo like the Sixers have is it doesn't bother me. I get why fans who are not used to that sort of thing would sort of uh, reject that. But I mean, whatever. If it if it helps inject more money into the league and to the team, then whatever. I don't really it doesn't bother me at all. I mean, it will probably annoy us for a game or two, and then it'll it'll just be something that that we we gloss over and don't even notice. Which which is probably why you only get about five million dollars for that advertisement. But it's it's. It's a relatively small deal. It's just it's new to us. But I I feel like they did a pretty good job of of having it be low key, especially the Sixers having it be a pretty low key addition to the jersey. Like, um, obviously it's not as overwhelming as European teams or like soccer clubs, but I I feel like they've done a pretty good job for most teams of letting them work it into their color scheme, so it's not like you know, a Wells Fargo logo or, like, a PNC, like, orange and blue on a Sixers jersey. Like, for the most part, teams have either picked uh, companies that have a logo that fits with their jersey or, in the case of StubHub, StubHub, I guess, has let them change the color of it to match each jersey, which I think, like, at least makes it a little more tactful than if it was just, like, an ad slapped right on the jersey. I almost I almost wish Wells Fargo would have chosen to buy a slot on the jersey so they could stop <laughs> calling it the fucking center. <laughs> can't, I can't believe you get like, so mad about the the center. It's hilarious. It's just so pet. Like, have you ever seen a team not recognize naming rights on the the arena they play in? It's absurd to me. <laughs> you know, when they started doing this, how long has it been? It's been two or three years now that they haven't that they refuse to, to mention Wells Fargo. I thought this would be like a press release or two. I didn't. I didn't. Uh, I didn't picture the CEO's dedication to keeping this going for as long as he has. So. I guess in a a weird kind of a way, I almost admire it, but but not at all, really. All right, yeah, I don't have anything else really. In terms of of the StubHub, it's if you make the decision that you're going to sell ad space on your jersey, this was about as as well done as I think you could have you could have hoped for. So I don't, you know, like I said, we we made our piece about a uh, about this being a part of the future a while ago when they announced it, and seeing it in in, in an actual NBA jersey, it doesn't look too bad. Damn with faint praise there. I mean, how excited can you get about an advertisement on a jersey? It's just <laughs> you know, uh, probably the mo- the biggest news, or at least news that has the potential to impact the Sixers the most. I believe it was Mark Spears that Embiid told, you know, he is not yet playing five on five or one on one. I think he also mentioned, uh, which was a weird addition, um, but that he is, you know, going through drills and that he expects to be ready for. For a training camp, uh, or at least to play in pre I forget exactly what the wording is. I should probably look that up. But he expects to be ready in a, a general sense. A scale of 1 to 10, is this is this a real worry, or is this something that you brush off? I would give it a 1. I'm not worried at all. 
And that's both because, I I mean, we've seen plenty of Joel Embiid working out at what appears to be full speed this summer, not showing any kind of limitations. And also because the feeling that I get from just asking around about this is that if training camp were to start Monday, he would be full go. Like there's no, nobody has given me the impression that this is a thing that's anything more about keeping him on just a steady, a steady progress up until when the season starts. So I, I get that people want him to just be 100% full go at all times, but I do think given his history, you have, you do have to consider just keeping him in check a little bit up until they really need him to, to hit his full stride. So I'm not worried about this at all. There could be new developments that happen. There, you never know. But as of right now, I'm at least on this part of the health front, I'm not concerned at all. Yeah, to me, it kind of it reminds you a little bit of how they ha- how they handled him last year, in that it was seemed pretty uncertain up until right around training camp, and then he was cleared. And I just feel like, like you said, Kyle, I, I feel like this is a situation where it's the dead of the summer. There's nothing happening. He's in Africa for this for this game. He's not going to play in, and they probably would have held him out of even if he was 100 percent ready to go. So. I feel like saying he's not ready for five on five or that he's not doing that yet. It's kind of the same game they've played for a while of like holding guys out, using that as an excuse. And also conveniently, they don't have to talk to reporters. They don't have to do anything. So, and also I just don't know at this point in the summer, how much five on five that guys would be doing anyway. And it does seem like just from watching like Todd Wright, Instagram videos and, um, the stuff he's the and beads put out a, a little bit on like Instagram Live. It seems like he's doing a lot physically. It's not like he's you know being held back all that much. So if he's not doing five on five right now, I don't know if I'm that worried. And also, I I feel like it has more to do with time of year and obligations he'd have like the game in Africa if they cleared him 100. percent So I don't know. I'm not really that concerned about it. Yeah, I mean my gut says that when he starts playing five on five, they want it in a very controlled environment with their, you know, with their training staff there to see how he reacts with the coaches there with some kind of structure to it. And if he's playing five on five now, it's probably mostly like a pickup type basketball game where you have no idea who's actually going to be there from the team. And they probably just want to wait to, to, like I said, to do this when they have more structure, when they have more visibility in how his, uh, in how his knee reacts. That being said, if you're a fan who reads this and goes, Jesus fucking Christ, are you like, are you kidding me? I kind of understand that because, yes, I would just like, not because I actually necessarily even want him playing five on five right now. I would just like somebody to come out and reassure me and say he is physically ready to go and play five on five. And this team will never do that. I get that. I'm not even saying they should do that. But just from a, a personal standpoint, I wouldn't mind a little bit reassurance on a guy who, you know, really is the most important person in Philadelphia right now, or in Philadelphia sports right now. I, I understand, especially with everything that you've, this this fan base has gone through and injuries that don't recover correctly or are worse than they appear to be, or even going back to last summer, last August, centers who were ready to go and, and, and able to do everything and then come October aren't even close to being ready. I understand if you're skeptical, 
I don't think there's anything really to be worried about outside of the fact that Joel Embiid is 7'2", 270, and has a history of lower body injuries. But in this specific instance, I don't think I don't think there's much to be worried about. But I do understand some slight annoyance from the fan base as well. Yeah, I, to Max's point, he brought up some of Embiid traveling, and he's going to be like he's at Basketball Without Borders right now, and. Uh, so when the when he's away from the team like that, it, like let's say that they had said to him, "You're good to go for full five on five. He'd be playing I every game he could. Right, and I don't know that that's a good idea for him. Like he would almost be his own worst enemy. And it's obviously a good thing that you have a guy that his first instinct is, "I want to play, I want to play, I want to play." But at the same time, because of his health history, as we've mentioned you do have to pull back on the reins a little bit and say, look, how can we go about this in a way that keeps him on a a steady path towards the regular season, towards training camp preseason, whatever the, the objective is here, and make him work towards that goal of he's going to be ready to go when we tell him he can play 5-on-5, five five, but also acknowledge that if we were to let him just play 5-on-5 five five whenever – that he might put himself in a situation where he's playing too much in short windows and in situations that maybe he shouldn't be doing. Like you have to be able to get in his ear a little bit there. So I think this is a is it seems to me looking from afar like sort of a compromise where he's working out a lot with the team, but they they're keeping that that carrot in front of him and making sure that they. They have him ready to go when training camp starts in about a month and a half. <laughs> Sorry, I'm dying. Um, no, I, I, I agree with. <laughs> I, I was like, wow, I, I made you that sick over there. Um, no, I, I agree with your guys' take. It's like I said, I wouldn't mind being reassured, but I understand why you wouldn't clear him right now. So, all right, the preseason schedule came out this past week. It's been. You know, one of the things they're doing to try to extend the season a little bit, extend as in extend the, the number of days it takes to finish the season, not uh, you know, not extend, obviously add more than 82 games. But one of the things they're trying to do is they cut the preseason down. Last year, Sixers played seven games over almost three weeks, about two and a half weeks of time. This year, they have five games in one week, uh, I, I think eight days. So much more condensed schedule, much shorter schedule. Uh, and gets the season started, you know, probably a good 10 days earlier than it otherwise would have been. Um, the only real thing I guess I could think of here is whether or not that impacts Embiid's availability or even Simmons' availability, depending on how cautious they are with him as well. Um, you know, I think we, I think we should get the regular season schedule here soon. I think that's coming out shortly. It'll be interesting to see how many back-to-backs the Sixers have in that because hopefully the trade-off is Embiid will be able to knock on wood, assuming he's healthy, play more because they don't have to rest him as much for back on, back-to-backs. And after talking about it for so long, it'll be great to see how much reduction there actually is. But, you know, we, we have at least that to uh, to look forward to. You have Sixers basketball coming up in, what, just a little over 60 days' time. So it's getting there. Yeah, I, I think just looking at the preseason schedule and, and – condensing it down to five games, I probably see teams treating it more like the NFL treats preseason, where maybe for that first game, second game, third game, you have Embiid, Simmons, Fultz, 
I mean, they're not going to play major minutes, like even in past preseason, you limit guys' minutes, but at least playing. And then probably those last couple are like to figure out final roster spots or two-way contracts or guys for your D-League team. Like that's how I, 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 what I think makes more sense. And maybe you spread it out a little bit so that, it, you know, they're not playing as many games in a row, but maybe you play that game on the fourth, the sixth, and then you let them play the game on the 11th. And the other two, you just basically play your backups and, um, potential D-League sashes and stuff. Yeah, I'm not really sure I have a lot to say about preseason other than I hope everybody stays in uh, in one piece. Well, I had I had to, you know, the, the first two games are at the center. So I think, it, you know, the Sixers, I think Max's theory about all of the high-profile guys playing then is probably, yeah. probably fair. Uh, the last game, though, on Friday the 13th is in Kansas City near where Joel Embiid, relatively near where Joel Embiid went to college. So you wonder whether or not, first of all, I had a lot of people tell me that they don't want him playing on February 13th or on Friday the 13th. I agree. I'm not a superstitious <laughs> guy at all, but with this guy, I, you know, just in case I'm wrong about the superstition thing, you probably want to be safe. But uh, he he will play that game because of, uh, you know, I think a lot of people are going to be going there to see him play. But For sure. That, yeah. is, uh, that is about the extent of my preseason take. I hadn't even realized that was on Friday the 13th, and I'm with you that I try to avoid superstition, but that is it's an intersection where I'm not necessarily comfortable right. saying, yeah, I don't believe in it at all. Screw it. Who cares? My let's, own let's personal be, let's life. Let's take our precautions. My own personal life, I'll throw superstition to the wind, but Joel Embiid's foot, yeah, I'm a, I'm a little concerned. <laughs> Please be careful with them, Kansas City. Yes. Yes, please. All right, next up, uh, we're going to dive into Jaleel Okafor's future with the Sixers. But before we do, a quick word from our sponsors, Harry's. Jeff and Andy started Harry's Razors because they were fed up buying the overpriced razors you'd find in department stores. So they bought their own German factory with over 100 years of precision blade-making experience to ensure the highest quality and began selling directly to you, the customers, to cut down on distribution costs. The end result has been a terrific shaving experience that doesn't break the bank, coming in at half the price of competing brands. I've been a faithful Harry's customer for months, and yes, I buy my own blades with my own money, something I do because of how impressed I am with the quality of their product. You can get started today by claiming your free trial set, a $13 value you get for free when you sign up. All you have to do is cover the shipping cost. The free trial set includes a weighted ergonomic razor handle, five precision-engineered blades with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. To get your free trial set, go to harrys.com slash sixersbeat right now. That's H-A-R-R-Y-S dot com slash sixersbeat. Okay, returning to the discussion about Okafor and his future with the club. You know, I really began thinking about this the other week when I wrote an article about what it would take for the Sixers to get to the point where they could have $35 million in cap space next summer or enough to offer a 35% max contract, I should say. And you start having to make decisions. And one of the decisions is what to do with J.J. Redick, uh, who, because of the one-year inflated salary he signed, would have an enormous cap hold, uh, which you would have to renounce to really have substantial cap, sp- cap space. But because of the timing of that, you wouldn't have to make that decision until you already have a use for that next summer. You have smaller decisions to make, like, what to do on options for Nick Stauskas and Justin Anderson. 
Uh, you Whatever you do with Robert Covington and his potential extension would impact that. Joel Embiid will have an $18 million cap hold next summer if he's not extended this fall. So an, an Embiid extension could increase or decrease your cap space depending on what you do with that, although I can't imagine Embiid would agree to an extension starting below $18 million, so you'd probably have a higher number than that if you do extend him. But one of the more interesting discussions is Jaleel Okafor. Uh, that This would be, you know, what we're talking about is the fourth year of his rookie scale contract, 2018-19, uh, where that's a pretty sizable jump. A little less of a jump for a top draft pick than it is for guys farther down, but a big jump nonetheless. And, you know, I think his, his contract for 2018-19 would be... Um, Ah, shoot! Hold on, I lost. I lost the number. Well, I have it in front of me. His his restri- or his number his option number is six point three million dollars for next year. Okay. If they pick up his op- his final year yeah. option. Yeah. So that is you know if your if your goal if your stated goal thank you for that Max I I had a sheet up in front of me but I already had I already had that contract zeroed out which is what we're going to get to. <laughs> um, but if your if your goal is to get the thirty six million because of Embiid's jump because of a, a potential you know. I think when I did the math, I slotted Covington in at $12 million next year because of a Covington extension, because of a couple of these things, and because of a you know a, a draft pick next year, uh, which is is gonna gonna cost you a couple million. I think I slotted in about two and a half million dollars for that. I think I was I was figuring right around right around a borderline playoff team. But because of all these things, in order to get the 35, 36, 37 million in cap space, that six point whatever million dollars is going to be important. And because of the timing, you have to make that decision before this season starts. It's the first decision of these group of decisions you're going to have to make. Is there a chance the Sixers don't pick up the fourth-year option on Jaleel Okafor's contract? I think there is a fairly strong chance that that happens because they're go- they are trying to move him right now. I don't think it's a, a secret that they've been trying to move Breaking him. Breaking news. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Both like the last year and part of this is cuz they're always going to be connected. Last year it became a thing of are they going to trade Julio Okafor or Nerlens Noel? And like really it was never about one or the other. It was both those guys were not really fit once Joel Embiid was healthy. That was it. Like they, they just didn't. They weren't in the plans anymore, and it was a matter of being able to get a good return for either one. There were obviously the, the free agency implications with Nerlens Noel last season, so they had they almost had to move on from him at some point. Um, but they've shown no sign, nor have I heard from anybody that Jaleel Okafor is going to be in their long term plans. And so, if they can't find a partner for a trade within the next couple months here before they need to pick up his option. Not only can I not see them doing that, I don't think it's outside of the realm of possibility that they would cut him outright. Now I'm sure that they would try to avoid that situation at any cost because that, that's just, it's not something that they want to, it's not a talking point that they want to deal with going into the year. I mean, regardless of what you think of Okafor, that's a lot of people will, oh, how do you cut a former number three overall pick? Blah, blah, you guys know how that's that only 19. Yeah, all that, all that same stuff. But but at that point, if you've decided that you're not going to pick up his option and he's going to be the third big man on the team next year, Rashawn Holmes will be the primary backup. 
to Joel Embiid. If he's the third big man, you don't want to pick up the option on him for the the cap hold that we discussed for the salary number when it is a pretty obvious goal of theirs to be able to clear max space for next summer. And at that point, if you don't pick up his option, you don't have it. He has zero trade value. If you think his trade value is low now, he won't have any if you make that decision because teams will say they'll dare you to cut him or to let him go to free agency next year. So I think not only is it a strong possibility they don't pick up his option if he's still here, I think he might not be on the team even if through the end of preseason, let's put it that way, in one way, shape, or form. Well, here's I'll play devil's advocate for a, a second. I guess the only the only reason I think picking up his option makes some sense is so it's six point three next year, it's five million this year, and you've already agreed to the five million this year. Um, I kind of feel like in if he shows any amount of improvement or even goes back to what he was as a as a rookie, I feel like if you accept the option for next year come trade deadline time or next offseason, there's going to be some team that is willing to just take him for free. Like, I feel like you'd have to really drop off for for there not to be a Brooklyn Nets or a team that just doesn't have a lot of picks or has a lot. Of, like, basically what the Sixers were two years ago. Like, if a team had come to you and said, look, we'll give you Ben McElmore for nothing, even though he sucks and whatever. Like, you know, just take his money for one year. I feel like there's going to be a team in that position, and you'll get nothing for him. You probably won't have to give up anything to get rid of the, the money, but I kind of feel like because of his age, he's going to be 22 at that point, and because he was a number three overall pick, there's going to be someone who's willing to at least just take a shot on him who's not going to be able to use their $6.3 million on anything better than that. Yeah, I don't know. Um, you know, I think a lot of people, I, I see a lot of, it's amazing how much this is still debated. Uh, you go to Liberty Ballers comment section, and it oh, is God, uh, yeah, there are a, still there are still Procafors over there. It amazes me, but they're brave. Let's put it that way. <laughs> they are. Um, where was I going with that? Um, sorry, this is this is an August podcast for me too. I'm not all I'm not all there. Uh, but a lot of people talk about you know give him a chance. He clearly wasn't healthy last year. Let him get in the best possible shape possible. Let him work with Simmons and Fultz and all this extra talent. And on some level, I can kind of understand that. On the other level, like Kyle, I want Rashawn Holmes getting minutes over him. But not only that, I want Ben Simmons getting minutes at the five over him. If for no other reason, then I want to evaluate whether Ben Simmons at the five is actually a thing and could be a thing in the NBA. So when you look at that and you say, okay, Embiid's going to get minutes, Holmes is going to get minutes, you're going to want to experiment with, with Simmons at the five, how much time is there actually left for Jaleel Okafor to play and showcase himself? And is it going to be enough where he's going to recoup some trade value? And I just don't see where there's a, a way that Okafor could get enough time and me not feel like that time could be used elsewhere. And it doesn't mean he's going to get no minutes, but in order to get enough where he's going to really improve his trade value, I'm not sure that's going to be something that I would want to see play out. So I just don't see an upside. I certainly don't see an upside enough to risk you know, Max's you know, you, you can find a taker for him. I feel like we've been talking about finding a taker for Oak for, for so long now that I don't want to assume that's going to be something that we'll, uh, that we can count on. And if that does come to pass where you pick up his option and it's a little harder to find a taker than we expect because his minutes are so low, 
I don't want to be in a spot now where he could he could be a difference between you and, and maximum cap space, and maybe now you have to mm-hmm. give up a draft pick just to move him. Uh, that's the position I want to avoid the least. I don't really, you know, I always go back to what am I scared? What what scares me the most? And what scares me more is in, or Okafor. I almost said Embiid. Of course, you're going to want Embiid's money on the books. But what what scares me the most is Okafor costing you either a draft pick to clear the cap space or the chance to go out there next year and sign a max a max contract guy. What doesn't scare me all that much is whatever small return we might be able to get back for him. I do agree with Kyle. I don't see the team necessarily wanting to jump right into releasing Jaleel Okafor because of the, you know, because of the perception of that. And look, you release a, you know, a, a former number three overall pick two years into his career. That's that's going to look very bad. It's a little easier for a guy like Colangelo to do that because it wasn't his pick, and he has a real easy way to explain that away. But it's a, uh, you know, that's going to be one of the real, you know, last year we went into training camp with the whole. Nerlens Noel, Jaleel Okafor subplot to camp, and that grew once Noel, you know, commented to the media. Uh, this is going to be one of the real subplots to me as well. Yeah, I, I, it's been a running joke on Sixers Twitter, spearheaded by our our good pal Brandon Lee Gowton at Bleeding Green Nation, to cut Jaleel Okafor for the last, at least the last year or so. I mean, he's been sort of jokingly suggesting that long before it was ever a real possibility. And I still think that they're going to work very hard to just save some face here. But I agree with you, Derek, that I think the bigger risk here to like in discussing Max's point about someone taking a chance on him, I think the bigger risk is being stuck in a position where you want to go make an offer to, LeBron or some kind of big free agent and you have to make other moves with somebody like Okafor that has a guaranteed deal rather than just moving small pieces of salary or just not keeping guys around that are that have smaller deals. So I just, I think that's a much bigger risk to the Sixers and I think they certainly with the moves that they made this offseason and the trajectory they expect to be on that is definitely what they're looking at next summer is they want to go after big fish and rightfully so. I mean, they have one of the most exciting young cores in basketball. So I don't think, as you said, Derek, they're going to let some minuscule chance at Okafor improving his trade value impact that strategy moving forward. I just, I don't think they want to have any money on their books going into the next couple off seasons that they don't need to. It's amazing. This is a guy, like we said, 21, former number three pick. His contract for 2018-19, which is what we're talking about, would represent 6% of the salary cap. And we're sitting here going, man, 6% of the salary cap on a one-year deal. I don't know if you can find a taker for that. <laughs> That's crazy. And it's crazy because... It's not really a crazy concern, I don't think. Like, salary cap space is dried up. The oversaturation of centers is a really big part of this. And I think of a team, you know, there, there's just, when you're talking about, you know, a, a reclamation project, which is what Okafor would be, you have to have the, the playing time to give him, to allow him to prove himself. And with so many teams only playing one big man at a time, and the glut of big men that, that creates, it's just, what teams are going to look at him and say, 
you know what we we can turn him into what he should have been. It's harder to do now than it would have been ten years ago, and that's just that's a shame. But that is that is where Man. we are at. I can't believe a year ago I wrote a, <laughs> hey maybe maybe give Julug for a chance, <laughs> but like. I feel like I'm a, I'm like so easily able to convince myself not that he's going to be good or going to be a part of the team's future but that there's like a better chance of that happening than of him being so bad that he has zero trade value cuz I feel like right now the trade hasn't happened but if you were to go to a team like the Nets or you know pick a team that has some cap space and say hey we'll just give them to you for free I have a hard time imagining there's not a team out there who'd be like, yeah, we'll cut our 15th guy and take take a shot on Joel Okafor. So I just, I guess I feel like, let's say it's a 5% chance that Joel Okafor, like, turns it around, he gets healthy, turns around the season, and is, like, a real NBA player who's part of your future. Not a star, but just good. Is that, that, is that 5 or 6 or whatever percent higher than the percent chance that he's so awful that you can't even give him away on one, on a one-year deal? Yeah, but I mean th- that five percent might be higher, but you know what's what's the gain? Like, is the gain enough that I even really care mm. about it? I guess yeah. is kind of my my perspective of it. And going back to your point that a year ago you were talking about, um, you know, writing about giving Oka for a chance. Well, two years ago we all had him in our top five. So, oops. Uh, my how quickly things change. Yeah, boy does it. Boy does it. Um, him and Porzingis neck and neck. Torn. Uh, <laughs> I think I yeah. I think I had Okafor right above. I just I can't. I the risk is not worth it to me because like even if you find a team that that says hey we want to take a chance on him, I think a lot of those teams are dealing with salary cap problems of their own or not even necessarily problems but they're all conscious of what things represent and they'll say okay we'll we'll send you somebody back that's on a a longer term deal or something. Like, I just, there are too many factors to consider there that it just doesn't seem worth it to me because like, let's say things go all the way wrong with Joel Embiid this season. I think we've pretty much proven that Julio Okafor, and this goes for Nerlens Noel too, is not an insurance policy for Joel Embiid. And if Joel Embiid goes down, the team is going to be retooling around a future that's built solely around Markel Fultz and Ben Simmons. And in that case, you want to have as much flexibility as possible, and you don't want to have to have any any contracts on the books or any players on the books that are going to present you any sort of hurdles toward that goal. And that might mean they get they would be even – more aggressive going after guys in free agency next year if they had to deal with those sort of questions. So that's just another unknown that you stack on top of all of this. And I just can't see them making their lives even marginally more difficult to chase turning Julio Okafor's trade value from whatever second round picks they can get for him into a, like a bottom of the barrel first round pick at best. Like I just, that's not, there's there's just no realistic path for me to turn him into a an actual trade chip versus just oh okay you could we'll dump him somewhere. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure you have to cut him. Like maybe they will. Who knows? I don't know. But I, I'm not saying if you don't pick up his option, cut him. No. Yeah. 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 No. Because I, agree I mean, with there's that. not there's not like a guy on the that you're you're dying to sign right now. 
But I do agree with Kyle's overall point that if you don't pick up his option, his trade value is gone. There's no chance for recouping that. You know, a lot of if you don't pick up his option, obviously he'd then be an expiring contract and he would be unrestricted because while typically if players have three years or less experience in the NBA, they become restricted free agents. That the only way that's not the case is if they're coming off of the third year of the rookie contract, rookie scale contract, and their fourth year option was declined, which is where Okafor would fit in. So he would be unrestricted. He would be a rental player. I'm with Kyle. There's there's not enough upside for me to to whatever small risk there would be of not being able to move Okafor. There's not enough upside for me. Um, that cap hit that he would have, that contract he would have, that option year for 2018-19 is substantial enough for what the Sixers want to do as a team and in their finances that I think there's a, a real chance that uh you know that they could be have it that they could be making that decision not to pick that up which. I mean, like we said, is is incredible. But I don't know if I have anything else on that topic. That's a pretty yeah. We we went to get we went pretty it. hard on that, and <laughs> that was that's a lot for August. Anything else you guys have been thinking of in the last couple of weeks that is worth bringing up? Um, not particularly. Yeah, not really. It's not <laughs> like we have lots of mailbag questions this time of year. At least any that we haven't answered fifteen different times. I guess I. Next podcast, we'll do a mailbag podcast. I'll solicit, unless there's some big breaking news that happens in the middle of of August. Which let's I hope there's not. The case. Honestly, yeah. like that would be for the best for all parties. I, I think breaking news in August for the Sixers usually is literally breaking news, which we don't want. Yeah. Um. But yeah, uh, we'll we'll send us send at Sixers beat the Twitter uh, some mailbag questions for next week. We'll try to we'll try to get a couple of a uh, couple of questions on. That will give us some fresh topics to talk about. But thank you guys for jumping on. Max, best of luck in trying to get settled in Seattle. And uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. All right. See you guys. You've been listening to the Sixers Beat right here on LibertyBallers.com and LibertyBroadcast.co. 